Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the World Craft Club podcast. This is Seth. I'm here today to bring you a great episode with collaborator and friend of the show, Jog Brogzen. How are you doing, Jog? I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's very early. It is very early, but I'm still yeah. doing well. I'm still doing well. Oh, it's very yeah. early for you. I'm. It's almost afternoon for me. <laughs> That's the advantage of being east, right? East of anyone, yeah. The sun comes up a little bit faster for you. Well, I have my coffee. I think we're going to be good. And we have some really interesting topics. So if you have been listening to the show for any length of time, you should have caught Jog's last episode with us where we talked about mapping. And you should know that Jog is a fantastic fantasy map maker. Jog, how long have you been doing that? Right. So I know I remember my first map and it was when I was 11. Wow. Yeah, that's maybe seven years yeah <laughs> no okay it's longer that than would seven be impressive years. it was yeah, yeah. <laughs> an impressive I wish. impressive beard is <laughs> yeah yeah it's about 30 odd years that i've been doing it yeah that's pretty incredible yeah and i would say for anybody who has looked at any of your maps that definitely shows there's a level of mastery in what you do that you typically don't find in a fan right or just sort of a casual yeah creator how long have you been doing map making for other people for other people yeah so i think it was 2017 or 18 that i i said i was a long-term gm and uh-huh i could never get my players to take up the mantle of you know running a game because so i sure. i obviously play role-playing games and that's where a lot of my mapping and world building came from yeah so eventually i managed to get myself into a pathfinder game Okay. And this guy, he was doing a master's in medieval history, really great storyteller. And he was developing this fantastic world, but he basically scrawled these little things onto a paper, what you could <laughs> call maps onto a paper. But all of his world building was, you know, it was written and it was all in his mind. So I suggested to him, I said, listen, I'm making maps for my own world. I just thought I'd give it a go mm-hmm. and make his. So I think that was the first time. Yeah. And it was a really enjoyable experience. I loved the collaboration. I loved the fact that I could share the joy with someone else because yeah. players are great. They just want to burn everything that <laughs> Put in front of them. Hey, is that a village on your map? Let's burn it. Hey, did you not draw this part? Let's go there. Even worse, they want to go to the edge of the map and off it. Right. And then find out what's... Right, what you haven't drawn. Here be dragons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, this is all the mapped area of the world. Yeah, I've mapped a lot of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so they go off that map and then here's a new map. It's like, That's right. Foiled again. <laughs> but so although there's a certain level of excitement you get from a player sure when you draw a map for whoever is actually building the world Mm -hmm. they properly the only expression is they geek out about their own world and seeing yeah a manifestation of it yeah getting to see what you have only imagined what you have created in your mind's eye getting to see a concrete example of that is tremendous yeah yeah so i i get to share in that because i still am already because I just love the process of making the map. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to share this with, the, with this guy here when I was making the map for him. Mm-hmm. And then the next step for that was I just wanted to see where I could push that then. Okay. So there was this interesting project 
this local Facebook group, D&D Ireland, is this kind of a, a one world, many stories. What's that? West Marshes kind of style adventure where there's many dungeon masters running games. In one single world. In one single world. And there was kind of a hierarchy to it. Okay. The guy running this, he was trying to, they're running in a cultural society and he wanted to kind of bring it out, first of all, let's say to Dublin and then maybe expand it to Ireland, just see where he could push it. Sure. So I approached him and said, hey, are you in need of a cartographer? Because this sounds like a, a really interesting yeah. experience. This Before I was doing it professionally, I thought this would be a great way to cut my teeth. Yeah. You know, working with lots of people and that's how I started with that. Yeah. Okay. So... You have a character, though, that goes by the same name that you go by, Jog. Yeah. yeah. Who explores through these various maps that you create and these various worlds that you create with other people. And when did that start? The idea that there's a character who is exploring these worlds. I suppose it's always been that way whenever I start making a map. I felt like I was traveling around. The the Mm -hmm. idea of a character didn't come till I was looking for a name for my brand, I suppose. What do I call myself? Sure. Okay, well, I call myself Jog Brogson then. Um, and there's a, a, another story to that, but I don't want to go... I yeah, try sure. to resist tangents because <laughs> I'm famous for them. We'd be here all day. So, yeah, I've always felt like I'm kind of... I'm in the map and I'm walking around exploring it. Sure. So, yeah, it just kind of was organic. The realization that I, I was visiting this world. I suppose when I kind of listen to your podcast and you're talking about visitants to a world, I am the visitant to all yeah. of these worlds that I map. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool because what you're effectively doing is taking somebody else's vision and in a way helping them clarify it, right? Because it's one thing to say, and I went through this process with you, you know, in creating a map of the capital city of Novaterra, which is the book series I'm writing currently. It's one thing to say, I know that there are these large buildings that stand out from all of the other buildings. It's another thing to actually have them concretely on a map, right? Yeah. And say, okay, now yeah. that fact in my world is now fixed, right? I had a nebulous idea of how many of these buildings were in each district. All of a sudden, Jog is walking through my world. And so I have to give, like, there has to be an actual count. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like when you have an online world that people are visiting and you need to populate it as people walk through it. Right. Let's say procedurally generated. And if you have an algorithm doing that, then maybe it figures it out. But the algorithm is basically us having a conversation and like trying to figure out what is important to the world and what, what else is just maybe filler. But what mm-hmm. I found interesting for that, because I didn't do it all on one page because it was such a large map. Sure. It kind of ended up being what, 600 by 600 millimeters or something. It was, yeah, it was pretty, it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I stitched them together, there was one point where I tried to kind of hide the stitching to the most part, but there was kind of like when you step back at it, then you could see, oh, there's kind of a line where it was stitched where I have buildings kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. And when you revealed on your stream at first, you saw this and you, you then created something of it. I found that fascinating that whatever you discovered, you made it into something. You, you discovered a place where there was a this very tight kind of like cluster of buildings. Yeah. 
And you explained it then. I love that kind of creation. Just from my hand slipped and created this building and then you <laughs> create something of it. <laughs> yeah. So that's really interesting because that is very much the Worldcraft Club style of world building, right? It's, hmm. hey, we don't know. We are explorers in this as much as the person who is reading for the first time or watching for the first time or visiting for the first time. We are, as world builders, as much explorers, right? And that really fits with sort of the way that you seem to be building these maps in that your process is pretty simple in terms of the collaboration with another person, right? Because whoever you're making the map for, you seem to just really sit down and have a conversation and say, let's talk through what you are imagining. And then you're filling in the details in the sketches as you go. Now, I wanted to sort of talk more about that and unpack that process a little bit, because one of the things that I noticed as we were going through this process, as we were doing some collaboration, is that as a writer, I often write my worlds with sort of a singular flow or a, at the very most, a few threads, right? Right. And my visitant is only going to experience those few threads. But as an artist, you're sort of sitting on the opposite side of that. You're taking snapshots of a particular point in time, right? There's an element to what you're doing that is very different than what I'm doing, because what I'm doing is spanning time. And what you're doing is typically taking a snapshot of, right? But I've got a larger canvas. That's absolutely yeah. right. Yours is like stretched across and following, maybe branching, whereas I need to choose, okay, a slice one point along the thread, the narrative that you're creating, and then say, okay, this is where I'm going to make my map and let's see what. Right. And what's going on. Yeah. And so what's fascinating to me about that is that every time I look at one of your maps, I spend so much time discovering all of these small details. And in my mind, there are hundreds of narrative threads in every picture you make. And even if it's a like zoomed out world map, because you do everything from like cities to continents. There's only cities. <laughs> yeah. There's only cities. <laughs> <laughs> There's only cities. Um, yeah, we'll talk yeah, about yeah. that more in a second. But... All, all the way out to I have done for one author. So basically, it's a fantasy setting, but it's like the Matrix that they're all living this fantasy sure. world. But actually, it's a sci-fi setting on the outside. Mm -hmm. So it's a tie, tie between those two. So his first map that he got me to make was a fantasy map of this world. Then he pulled out and he wanted a more realistic... For, I can never pronounce this word. For, for, simi, for similitude, is it? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I nailed it. <laughs> Where as realistic as possible of our, uh, our arm of the Milky Way. Sure. And so I went through and I did a lot of research finding earth-like objects mm -hmm. that could be inhabited in the future and i chose a few those and i got them onto a kind of a 3d plane and the names are correct which he then came along and renamed <laughs> <laughs> i did a lot of research yeah <laughs> but they're in the correct locations and so therefore they, they are systems that are near right. us and they're like within maybe okay so that's fascinating so for that you went from here is a fantasy world to hey here is a relatively accurate map of our or part of the milky way yeah. right so obviously yeah. obviously the scale you're working on varies wildly i guess my question with this is that 
as an author, it's fairly easy for me to keep cohesion in a story because I'm following a thread or I'm following a few threads. As you are building these snapshots, how do you keep all of your threads feeling cohesive, right? If I'm looking at the kind of the same world, for example, Mm -hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So if, if you're taking a slice of a world, how do you make sure that everything in it, everything that you're putting into it feels like it belongs? Because when I look at your maps, I have never once, and I've looked at a lot of your maps, I've never once said, oh, that's a weird detail. Why is that there? That that shouldn't be there. Yeah. I don't have an answer for you. That's, that's a strange one. <laughs> yes. Point for Seth. <laughs> that's all. Seth is a car. Podcast over. That's right. <laughs> Question without answer. We've done yeah. it. It's a tough one because um, sometimes there's not so much thought going to it. And it's like a, a feeling and a trial and error. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've made many a map that I've looked at and I said, okay, that feels wrong. It all depends on who's looking at the map as well. Okay. I know from looking at my own maps, I can spot all my mistakes. Yeah. And actually only on my very last map did I use the the blade technique for kind of erasing at just the top section of ink and and doing kind of error correction on a map. Because you do all your maps by hand. Hand Hand-drawn, yeah. Yeah. Hand-drawn with ink which is incredible. Hand drawn with ink. If I want to add color, I'll bring it into Photoshop. I'll scan mm-hmm. it and bring it into Photoshop. I do deliver them digitally, but I scan them at like ridiculously high res. I would have gone higher, but the time it would have taken, I, it was not. Six minutes. I can wait six minutes for a scan, but any longer. <laughs> 20, it's just, it went up to 30 minutes when I went the next order of magnitude. Yeah, that's amazing. So let me adjust the question. A little bit. What do you feel like is the hardest part of a world to capture? It's like in an interview, what are your weaknesses? (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, Like, I suppose there's always a challenge. There's always a challenge in a map. And there's certain parts that maybe I haven't really figured out yet. Okay. So, like, for example, like, I still haven't nailed how to do, like, ice on a map. It's like, especially with hand-drawn with ink. Okay. If you do it in Photoshop, then you have a lot more especially adding color and stuff like that and you just there's some white and you know it's easier to yeah it's more recognizable then i suppose with any map you can only look at it from one direction as well right so you're always going to lose some part of the map and so when i'm doing a an isometric map and then sometimes i'll do a slice to cut off and see what's inside basically right because that's what's interesting. So yeah. I've rotated a certain angle and then I've and sliced then off it. the walls. The question is, have I chosen the correct slice or the correct location to slice? Yeah. I'm always unsure about whether or not I'm making the correct decisions in that regard. Gotcha. But then after I've started, I've just like, I roll with it. Okay. I don't really look back. And even after I've finished them up, I say, okay, it's done. I'm not going back. I'm revisiting it. You know what I mean? Right. Do you feel like if you did go back and revisit a map, it would be destructive for your process? Because you do seem to have a great groove. Yeah, it's flow, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of creators who are doing creative work sort of professionally are pretty proficient with slipping into flow, like a flow state, right? Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I noticed working with you was was how quickly your pen just sort of started moving and things started appearing, right? Well, that's just practice, isn't it? For sure, for sure. So basically, the call I took with you and the many calls because we had a big map to get through. Right. 
every map I make, it's like a requirement for me. If people can't jump on a call and look at what I'm doing on the page when I'm doing the very preliminary sketches, it's a waste of time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If I've done up a sketch, I send it and they're like, it's not really what I'm looking for. Type, type, type. This is what I'm looking for. Talk to me. Tell me what <laughs> is wrong with this. Okay. Yeah. If we can come to a shared vision as soon as possible, then I'm getting into that flow state quicker. You know what I mean? Right. I'm like happy. I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? And then, okay, maybe I can do, an- I have to do another sketch on top of that. Right. And then maybe I go onto the last page and I decide this is the final page. There's a little hesitancy before I put the ink down the page. But when I start going, it's like, okay, this is it. Yeah. And so the decisions I make then built on the the sketches that I've made previously, Mm -hmm. I don't really want to go back because I've made a decision. Right. It's already sort of locked in. Yeah. There's no control Z or control Z. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I've been in, you know, I, I, I'm quite proficient with Photoshop. If I've been doing a lot of work in Photoshop and I'm using Control-Z a lot, and then I go back out and I'm on the page, I'm looking for that Control-Z yeah. and it's yeah. not there. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So as you make maps, you don't just make strictly fantasy maps because I've seen some really interesting old city maps. So you recently did like an old London map you could say old but the shard is there the london eye of sauron is there okay so is that just a fantasy version of modern london it's a fantasy yeah okay yeah yeah it's modern london but it has very focus on the old roman road the old kent road which the romans used Mm -hmm. also obviously because they built a roman road but also the normans you think they would have invaded with their norman longships down the thames but they actually invaded from the south via Kent. Interesting. And you did another one of Dublin, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And is that also modern, modern Dublin? It is modern Dublin, but it has portals we can yeah. bones <laughs> collected around it. As modern Dublin undoubtedly has, you know. Oh, it's full of portals to unknown dimensions. Yeah, yeah. There's like a little orc village behind, you know, set of, yeah. set of shopping buildings. That's so fun. So you seem to be especially drawn to places with structures. And even your character, Jog, tends to visit places with people. Is there something about populated places specifically that inspires you? Well, it's like where the stories are from a human or cultural perspective. Mm-hmm. There wouldn't be a story if it weren't for the people in the story. Right. Unless you're telling a story about a bunch of animals living in a forest, would that be a different map entirely? Most of the people that want maps from me have characters in the story and they live somewhere. Right. So I think that's just something that exists in every world that I've encountered. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I'm making a lot of worlds for a lot of people. And there's certain themes that crop up, certain requests that the person asking might think, well, this is a strange request, but could you possibly include a kraken in the water? You see, <laughs> right. like, no problem. <laughs> a lot of other people have also <laughs> asked for that. You know I mean? Yeah, because every culture has their kraken. Yeah, I think it is interesting. You know, I'm also particularly interested in the cultures that came before, the runes. Yeah. It makes a map 
more interesting to me, looking at these ruins and wondering who built them, add an air of mystery to the map, right. add a place for someone to explore, maybe find some secrets and artifacts. Something that maybe even as a world builder, you don't know yourself. Yeah, so you're sort of baking wonder into your maps by including details that aren't necessarily explained explicitly. Yeah. Yeah, that I don't know, nor does the person I'm making it for. That's one of the questions I ask. How much extra little things that we don't know what they are, but mm -hmm. they aren't going to be big towers up to the sun that you right. know, define the world. They aren't focal points, but they're off the beaten track, little locations that maybe pique people's interest. Maybe they end up being where the story kind of cuts off this narrative. And I'm like, come this way check this out right i'm like working against you you have your <laughs> narrative we're going towards this gold here i like little signposts that's broken down off into a forest that's overgrown right it's just the hint of a room that you didn't even know was there as the world builder right so i'm working with the players in the sense of <laughs> that's so fun we're in a role-playing game Obviously, you can't really do that in a book, unless because you're very much interact with your readers as well. Yeah, I do. I, I really do like adding little details for people to find. Part of that is because, since I write serially, you know, it makes yeah, sense yeah. to keep people's interest. So how much, if I can... Yeah, sure. The questions back on you, how much influence do the readers have on the direction of the story? A significant amount, probably more than they realize. So through Patreon and through Discord, I am constantly looking for player predictions and right. and reader predictions yeah. and trying to figure out how I can fit them into the story. Because there are very few experiences as a reader that I liked more than correctly figure predicting yeah. where the story was going to go. And so yeah. if I can deliver yeah. that to my readers, that's a major win for me. And a lot of times they come up with stuff that's way better than what I could because, you know, I'm thinking often so narrowly in order to make sure that I can actually make the story cohesive and they're thinking out way out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like how a good DM actually works. Mm -hmm. I had players who kept extensive notes and they would just keep them with their characters and I would grab them and have a little read through. <laughs> yeah. Because who knows what, because there's like questions as well written in the margins. Right. So, uh, yeah. and they'd be talking with each other and I'd maybe get a hint of it and I'd just let them talk away. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. There's a fascinating process that happens with collaborative world building, right? Which is one of the reasons I'm always so interested to talk to you about your process because Collaborative world building almost always generates a better world than a single person could come up with, right? And so as I've looked at the maps that you've made for me, and as I've looked at the maps you've made for other people, as you said, you often are bringing out details and, and mysteries and paths that were hidden before, right? That didn't exist before. So a great example, yeah. when I looked at the map that you made for me for, for the capital city of Northern Angaril, each of the districts is different, right? Each of the districts in my head, I had not necessarily been thinking, oh, the street layouts are different. But you were able to bring the function of each district, because each district has a different function, to life simply through the way you're laying out roads, which all of a sudden starts to spawn all of these other pictures in my mind for what is happening on each road, what is happening in each district, because the way people are traveling through the district is different. 
right? Yeah. I really enjoy with your work the way that you are pulling these details out of almost the ether, right? Because I didn't even like that. That wasn't in my mind. But they were. That's the thing. You came to me and you described each district from our conversation. We figured out what the kind of purpose of each district was. Mm -hmm. And as we place little sections, okay, this is where we're going to have some factories. This is where there's going to be a main commercial hub in a different district. So therefore, my job then is to get down onto street level and walk around and make sense of what way people are using the Mm -hmm. city, how they're traveling around. Is there, say, a prince who's responsible for municipality of the district, or is it just kind of, oh, you can just build wherever you like? Right. <laughs> As is in one of your districts where it's People just build wherever a they like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or in, I think it's the gold. Is the gold the kind of the most expensive district? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So they have the grandest streets, and it's really well laid out, and I made yeah. sure that using these kind of cir- circular roads. There's a map maker. I'm not sure if you're aware of him. He's called Wormwood Maps. Uh, mm-hmm. I've run across this stuff on Instagram. Where I encountered him first was Fantasy Maps and World Building, the uh, Facebook group. That's how I started following him on Instagram. And he de- does these magnificent, he's, he just published uh, another one again with these grand circular streets and interlocking circles. And mm-hmm. they're just fabulous. And that's where I kind of, Got that idea from. I just wanted to emulate his style of mm. buildings or his style of cities. So I just thought I'd give him a little pull. Yeah, you preempted my next question there, which is where do you get your inspiration for all of these things that you build, especially the cities? Because there's a lifelike quality to this, the way you lay your cities out that I have never seen in a fantasy map maker. Yeah. I always struggle with that question because like I might reveal that I have certain inspirations or certain kind of influences, but it always feels like I'm just kind of pulling them out of thin air at the time. Sure. <laughs> but it's not true. I'm kind of obviously being, I have a terrible memory for names and little details like that, that I can never pinpoint. There's certain things I can pinpoint like where I got, my hatching style, Dyson Logos is responsible for that. I've had some influence from Nate from WSD20. He might not realize this, but he has influenced me. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people like... So is it a lot of other map makers? Recently, a lot of other map makers. I'm only just recently in the past two years or so interacting with other map makers and actively enjoying and kind of, I suppose, consuming other people's work. Mm-hmm. Before that, I think I just, I kind of did my own thing. And, and when I sit down and do a map, I just start and I, I don't think about it. Um, I go with what I know and I build up that way. I right. think I've benefited from my kind of interaction with other people. I could mention a lot of kind of people that everyone knows. Pat's peculiar, his isometric work has been a great influence, but there's a lot of smaller map makers who kind of go maybe no one knows about maybe because they don't they're not pushing themselves sure but when i see them i'm like this is amazing work right so i i don't know i could just go a list of plugs but it's like i i think it's important to enjoy other people's work and get something back from that mm-hmm. but then also then trust yourself to be times i go okay i need to do a ship i could google some <laughs> right various different ships 
But sometimes it, it, the computer is, computer is sitting there in front of me and I just go straight to the page and I draw it. And you just make your own ship. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes <laughs> I surprise myself that, okay, I'm happy with that. Right. I didn't need to, I didn't need to go to some other source. Interesting. But something has influenced that. Yeah, for sure. But there's a yeah. sense of trusting yourself and trusting your craft there where you're not you're not looking outside of yourself necessarily all the time for how to do something, but you're instead trusting that you have the skill to do it. Yeah, yeah. Or trusting that you don't have the skill, but you try anyway, and you yeah. discover, let's see what the outcome is. You might Interesting. find there's no mistakes. A mistake is just discovering something new, and then yeah. you can decide what that mistake actually represents. Yeah. And so that's an interesting one, because I know there were a couple of times as we were going through the map you were making for me, where you said, ah, like I did something here. I'm not so sure about it. But we were always able to come up with the reason. Like, why is it this way? Well, there's a reason for it. Not everything in life is yeah. perfectly straight and not every building is perfectly square. And I think that's one of the things that gives your maps a lifelike quality, that you are not trying to create sort of an unrealistic picture of perfection. You are trying to create something that is recognizable and human. Yeah, they're all hand-drawn as well. So they are yeah. all very unique little <laughs> yes. buildings. And they might, on close inspection, be disasters that are going to fall down. Here's an example of where I could have done the research, but I didn't. Um, I was drawing a little isometric map of a shop. I wasn't interested in the construction of the shop. I was interested in the contents of it. Mm -hmm. So there's this little guy and he's running a shop. And I got a lot of input from the Instagram community as to various little trinkets and magical items sure. that appeared on the shelves. And I tried to include as many of those as possible. And then I had this cutaway and had the roof on top. And the roof was pretty much two slabs stuck together with, okay, there we go. And then put some nails in it, whatever. Uh, is it going to stay standing up? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not an expert on, right. on roofing. <laughs> but I put this out there, right? The interesting part of the map is not the roof. It's the contents of the, right. the shop and all the little trinkets. That's the focus. Right. The rest is just like, okay, we, we need a roof on that. Boom, it's done. Right. But I got a comment from one guy <laughs> who was hung up on. I was like, I've come from the building trade. I know my roofs and I can't move on from it. As I was like, well, <laughs> it's not my problem. I, 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 it, it, but he used quite offensive language. And it's like, uh, okay. You know, yeah. I... Because it's so important to him that I got that detail correct. But you don't need to get all the details correct. As a creator, that's an interesting stance to take because in our modern age and age of information, it often feels like we do have to get all the details correct. So I think that's a really healthy stance to take to say, hey, no, I'm, I'm making maps. I'm making and, and the interesting part of my map is what I'm going to focus on. And I'm not yeah. worried necessarily about the extraneous details as long as they are good enough. That's an interesting sort of stance to take. If let's say you had to get everything perfect, and it's the same probably applies to writing as well. Mm -hmm. There's going to be flaws to every story, every piece of art. If you are looking for absolute perfection, you would not put a single piece of ink on the, on the page and you wouldn't type a single word. You right. just wouldn't start. 
Yeah. You have a collection of notes and lots of research, but you get yeah. no work done. You have to make mistakes. I wonder if that's where a lot of people sort of fall flat is that they expect a level of perfection from themselves that just isn't realistic. A hundred percent. And that's why a lot of people hold back from even starting because they look at other people's work and they say, I will never get to that level. Mm -hmm. They call it talent. They call it patience that they don't have. Right. And I don't believe in talent. I believe that if you keep doing something over and over again, you build your ability level up. And you can call it talent, but I, I'd say it's just repetition. Yeah. I think you apply that same principle to your writing as well. Yeah. It's like get the work done, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I call it make bad art. And yeah. the idea is 100%. you make bad art every day and eventually your art's going to be fantastic. Yeah. 100%. When I heard that, I actually, I got this moment because I've been working a lot of weekends recently. And so I had been listening to this podcast and it stopped. <laughs> so right. I normally rely on that, a buildup of these. I was listening from the beginning. So I I went to you guys and, and listened to a heap of them. And I got this moment where you said that and I was like, that's, that's true. That's, that's <laughs> what you need to do. If I had known that at the time, how you felt about that, I would have done a scroll on the page for your map. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's my bad art. Right. <laughs> There's the capital of Northern Angrel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. If I didn't know how low your standards were. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about something, though, because you have this this amazing community of people who sort of gravitate towards your work and you have a Patreon community and you have a Discord community and you're on Instagram. How many of those people would you say are fans who are not map makers? And how many of those people do you think are interested in the actual like map making process? I guess in your community, do you think there's a split between people who are just interested in consuming the end product and people who are sort of interested in the process of what you're doing? So do you want my gut feeling on this? Or yeah, you just your gut feeling. Data? Because I actually have actual data. Oh, do you have actual? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I was just thinking, like, there's no point in me just like, because my gut is always off, right? I can tell you that because when you join my community, you can add certain tags, okay? Mm -hmm. So of the 290 people who have joined and accepted the rules in my community, so that's like, they're the active members, I suppose. Sure. You've kind of, I have a little portal at the start and you have to click on it to kind of get inside. This is on my Discord. So of the 290 people in my Discord, there are 38 who have added the cartographer role. Okay. There are 48 who would consider themselves dungeon masters. And there are 33 who'd consider themselves writers. Mm -hmm. On 26 artists. And then there are 52 have joined the as world builders, which is the kind of... The generic. No, we're building a collaborative world in the Discord. Gotcha. It's taken a little bit of a, a gap now when I had, I think it was actually your map. Okay. Kind of made me pause that because it was <laughs> right. such a large map. I said, okay, I'll put a pause in this and I haven't got back into it. But we are now talking about kind of restarting it. So it's a mm -hmm. kind of hex based world. Yeah, it's re a really cool project. And we can see some of them on your Instagram, right? If you scroll back yes, through yeah, the feed. Yeah. If you scroll back before your map was made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, for all of you listeners, this is a great opportunity for you to go and see some some pieces of what Jog did for me. And then the hex map that you made or that you're in the process of making is really cool. 
Yeah, yeah. I love about the the world we're building is it's not just this collaborative hodgepodge where everyone's throwing mm-hmm. ideas into a pool and then we get this great gloop of ideas coming out the other end. People will submit an idea to be accepted or rejected. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is I'll get people to, okay, they'll they submit, let's say, uh, ideas for a new region. And that region has to be connected to the other regions which have already been created. Mm-hmm. If that person's idea is accepted by like a, a vote, anyone can vote in that. It's a public vote. Then they become the guardian of that region. Hmm. Each region is 125 miles across. Mm-hmm. And it's broken into little sub-regions of 25 miles across. So it's all hex-based. So they all fit in together. Yeah. So anyone else can come along to that region and choose a sub-region, a locality, and say, but this is what should be there and it should be of lower scope. Right. And so then they become, I suppose, guardians of that particular locality. Now, the person above that will have, let's say, a veto on anything that kind of changes or like contradicts what they've already clarified. Hmm. And then anyone who has had a region made becomes part of this overall world building uh, committee that then kind of votes on overall kind of ideas that kind of change how the world works. Interesting. So you kind of have your own kind of sphere of influence. And if an idea for the world has been voted in, it's sacrosanct until, let's say, someone is looking to change it and then we vote. And then you vote. Or that person says, no, I really like that idea and it was voted in, so therefore it stays. And then we accept that. My role in that in terms of the administration is i decide when a veto is applies or not gotcha and then i kind of maybe organize the votes i don't tend to submit ideas i might well i, I do a bit but um I, I i i prefer for other people to kind of um put yeah. their ideas so together. this is sort of the next level of collaborative world building because you're not just you're not just interacting with a single person with a single vision but you're instead interacting with 50-some people. Yeah, well, they all have the tag, but yeah. there's, there's maybe 10 to 15 kind of active okay. people kind of contributing. But still, I mean, that is that is a tremendous amount to balance. And considering how nice it's coming out, it's legitimately cool to, to watch this process happen yeah, and yeah. watch this collaborative world building take place because it's better organized microcosm of what happens at a table when a D&D party or when TTRPG players and the GM create a story together, right? Yeah. There's this invisible process of giving ideas and vetoing ideas and making different people responsible for different parts of the world. You know, you're really like fleshing that out and saying, no, we're just going to put some rules to it. We're going to turn this into an actual process. That's really cool. Yeah. It just makes sense, I think. If you just make everyone has a vote and everyone, it's just all committee then. Right. And someone comes along with a good idea and they all vote to then change an original idea. Right. Then you just have great. Like you say, gray goop. I like the, I like that way of describing it. But then if someone has this fantastic idea, maybe there's a place for it in it. We could just keep on adding regions. Right. And as long as it doesn't change the, the overall theme of the world. The overall theme, which we've kind of been building up, and it's like there's a kind of a culture. As long as 
it doesn't interfere with that. And that's why the committee is there to kind of safeguard that the right. theme is maintained because they're they obviously, their ideas have been voted in. Sure. So they have more ownership of it. They've been there yeah. from the beginning. For sure. For sure. I wanted to make it so that it didn't become like this little click kind of club that no one could no one else could break into someone, if someone came along and was excited and had all these ideas yeah they could let their imagination go wild mm-hmm. but it was tempered by the fact that okay you need to convince these people here but in its lower scope the fits could fit in anywhere right you know i use the example of a big tower going up to the sun that's a high scope theme and obviously that's going to change how everyone interacts right. in the world but if it's just maybe Oh, I think there should be uh, actually one example. This guy really wanted some sort of flesh corruption, a wall of flesh sort of thing. I think he's been playing Terraria. But it it, it, it had this real creepy feel to it. And obviously, if you just apply it to the entire world, it changes the theme of the world. Right. But if you decide, I want some sort of horror campaign that exists within this world, give it a region that's kind of, got this corruption that's, and we can then tie it to the overall theme of the world somehow what try and explain why does this exist in the world right maybe like a corruption it does creep in and take over yeah who knows, <laughs> who knows? but one of the things that it's very clear that you're dealing with is scope and you have a very clear way of thinking about scope do you think that's because when you sit down to build a map you are that's the first question you have to answer. Like, what are the boundaries of my page? Well, not that really the boundaries of my page, because some people say, oh, can you do a world map? Yes, I can. I can do it as small as you like. It's more what the scale of the map is, I suppose, and what you would be, expect to find interesting on a map of that scale. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for a scale of a map that's like five miles across, which is a possibility for this kind of hex world because you can zoom in as much as you like this is right. one of the things i like the idea of maybe a small hamlet would be the important thing on that map right but if you zoom out to a map that's 125 miles across well you might have a few cities right or you might have some epic i don't know fill in some interesting yeah, world mount- building thing there or a mountain with a dragon in it or you know, yeah, yeah, your lake with that Loch Ness monster. This large tower, which actually I did not include my recent Scotland map. Yeah, we did not include Nessie. <laughs> yeah, because we we felt that it was just like I I wanted it to be you know less touristy. Sure, more, sure, kind of like sure, sure. Very cool. Well, we are coming to the end of our time here, Jog. It is always a absolute pleasure to talk with you, and we are super excited for a project that I think this is the first time we are talking about on the show. So listeners, pay attention. We are working with Jog on a world-building journal project because he doesn't just do maps. He also does some fantastic illustrations. And one of the things that we like the most about actually the maps that Jog does is you can often find these little details that hint at mystery and narrative that's around the corner, right? That's the way I like to think about it. Narrative that's not necessarily right in your face and is not necessarily the main focus of the map. But as he's mentioned, it's the broken down sign that points into the forest. 
that makes you wonder, oh, what's the story with that? And and what's over there? We love that so much that we pulled Jog into a project that we're working on. I'm being cryptic and and you'll have to wait a few more weeks before you really find out what's going on. But what I can say is that if you come over to our Discord, if you go follow Jog on Instagram, if you go follow us on Instagram, you're going to start seeing some pieces of this. We're building a world building journal. It's going to be awesome. It's specifically designed to maximize the wonder in your world. And I'm excited to share details about it. I want to share more details about it, but James said I can't. So, James! We're going to blame him. James, why do you have to be such a killjoy? <laughs> he's not here. That's true. He's, he's not over. here. Hey, he's yeah. not here. So what I'm going to tell so you... We can do whatever he wants. ...is it's leather-bound. Ooh! Nice. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Leather journal. Looks fantastic. But seriously, come and follow us on social media. Jog, where can we find you and your work? The best place would be I'm Jog Brogson on Instagram. And you can find anywhere else that I'm interacting through my profile there. Okay. And you have a website as well, right? I do, yeah. You can find that on the Instagram. Okay. There's a link to that. Yeah, I do prints and I do... I'm quite excited about these little dungeon tiles. It's five by five inch. Mm -hmm. And you just like build a a whole dungeon. They're double-sided. I have some of your early versions of those that were sent out through your Patreon. I'm a Patreon of Jogs. Fantastic work. It's it's always a pleasure to to see stuff coming in from that. And I have some of the early ones. And I have to tell you, if you folks are looking for a practical way to build a dungeon, I cannot recommend this enough. I actually use them when I when my characters in Nova Terra are going into a new dungeon. Mm-hmm. I shuffle and flip them out to get a sense nice. of how the dungeon lays out. What, what did you find the, the main flaw with the postcard dungeons? What was the main limitation that you couldn't use them for? I didn't have enough of them. Well, there's that. And so... Did you try fit minis on them? You couldn't fit minis on them, no. I don't use them for my TTRPGs. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's why these new ones... They're to scale, right? These are now to scale as in... they. For TTRPGs. One inch minis, yeah. 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 If they were to scale, they wouldn't fit in your your door. That's correct. (laughs) That's correct. So yeah, I'm doing these one meter by one meter yeah. postcards that you can just <laughs> yeah. stand on. Yeah, I hope you have a field. At that yeah. point, we're LARPing, I think. But yeah, they're fantastic. Again, Jog, your work is just so practical. As a creator in another medium, it's been such a pleasure to to work with your maps and to work with all of the different pieces that you're creating. You know, not only the large scale map that you made for me, but also these tiles. Again. Being able to just sort of flip them out and get a sense of a dungeon for my players to walk into, you know, for Nova Terra, for the characters in my story to walk into has just been a joy. It has really been a joy. So that sounds so much fun. (laughs) All of you make sure you check out Jog's work on Instagram. Go check out his Patreon page. Go check out his website. You can order these packs of dungeon tiles. They're really awesome. Definitely come and come and join us on Discord. We are having some great conversation on there, and we are going to be sharing more about this this really cool project that we're working on. We've been a little bit quiet, and that's because we have been working away at this project at a feverish pace, but we are excited to bring it to you soon. You know, you'll get to see some of Jog's fantastic art on it. 
Well, Jog, thanks for hanging out and chatting with me today. It has been a pleasure. And is there anything that you want to add before we sign off? No, that's about it. Just if you're hesitant about making maps, don't value your own abilities. Pick up a page and a pen and have a go. Don't criticize yourself. That's all I'd say. I think that's fantastic. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Well, folks, I think there's a sign off I'm supposed to do, but I can't remember it. So maybe we'll add it in post. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Worldcraft Club podcast. Be sure to come and find us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our Discord server linked below. If you love what you hear, please give us a five-star rating on the podcatcher of your choice. And finally, we want to say a thank you to our amazing patrons who support us on Patreon. If you want to chip in and help us produce more content, please head down and find us at patreon.com forward slash worldcraftclub to get extra episodes and content for as little as $2 a month. Again, this has been the Worldcraft Club, and we're so glad you gave us a listen. Until next time.